Hello everybody, I'm Ryan Donegan. And I'm Mr Cracknell. And welcome to Sandcast, the only place to catch up on everything Sandringham School related. For those who don't know, Sandringham School is a co-educational 11-18 to school with academy status in the heart of St Albans with almost 1,800 students. Welcome to episode 6. In today's show, we will be catching up from the news from the past week as well as hearing from this important person. Okay, so exploratory learning is a phenomenon about kind of how people have a tendency and a desire to learn by finding stuff out for themselves. Today's conversation with Professor Anna Cox is both entertaining and educational, and we know there will be a pearl of wisdom for anyone listening. So Ryan, how are you? What have you been up to this week? I'm very well, thank you very much, sir. I've had a great week. Actually, this week, I, um, as part of the Sick Former Into Teaching program, I, uh, I helped to to perform a lesson to a class, to a class of year eights in music. It was very interesting. And um, other than that, we're also preparing for the spring concert tomorrow, which is um, very exciting. So yeah, what about you, sir? What have you been up to? Um, I've I've also had ve- a very busy week actually. Um, lots of sport on. So uh, yesterday was an extremely busy day. I mentioned last week that we had a national netball final. So our year 10 and 11 girls travelled up to Bromsgrove School in in Birmingham for the national netball final. Um, Unfortunately, they they lost at the final hurdle, but um, what a great experience for them. Um, After winning the competition last year, you know, got, got another opportunity. Some of the girls a year young in that team as well. So, yeah, great experience for them. Um, and then I actually had two finals myself. I had a year 11 district football final and the boys beat St. Columbus 5-1. And then I travelled over to St. Columbus for a year 10 county basketball final uh, in what was a very, very tight and, and close game. Um, and we came out on top of that too. So uh, a county and district title as well as a, a national final yesterday. So it has been a busy week. Also, I guess, um, events to, to, to note from the past week. There was a staff badminton tournament on Monday. May I ask who won? I believe it was Hepworth. House badminton tournament, yeah. And I believe it was uh, Hepworth. Miss Pearson from MFL. Um, a very, very good player. Um... We've also had uh, our Spanish exchange is currently away. Uh, it was year 10 PTC last night, so another opportunity for um, students to uh, and parents to meet their subject teachers. And obviously tomorrow evening you will be involved in the Spring Music Concert. Are you excited? Buzzing. It gives us great excitement and pleasure to welcome today's guest on the show. And this is a conversation I've been keen to have since the inception of Sandcast. Today, we are very much looking forward to meeting our Chair of Governors, parent, and Professor of Human-Computer Interaction at University College London, Professor Anna Cox. Hello, and welcome to Sandcast. How are you? I'm really well, thanks. Fantastic. Um, so the first question here we ask at Sandcast is, how have you arrived at Sandringham? Uh, well, I moved into Marshallswick and lived across the street. And, and that was probably how I first became aware of the school. 
Um, and then I volunteered to become a governor at the school. Um, and that was quite a long time ago. I think it was about 10 years ago. Um, so what, what does a governor do? Uh, so collectively, as a group, we, um, we are a critical friend to the leadership team. So we, so we have some formal duties, which are around holding the school to account for delivering for young people. So making sure that young people get the outcomes that we want them to have and that the school is well run, basically. Um, so we, we have meetings throughout the year in which we hear about lots of things that are happening in school and ask lots of questions. Okay, fantastic. So, so you said it's been about 10 years now that you've been on the governing body? Yeah. Um, I guess, what, why did you want you know, that, that investment in the school? Why did you want that role? Um, so I come from a family of educators grandmother was a teacher both my parents were teachers my sister is a teacher and so being in a school just seems very normal to me and is an um an environment I feel quite comfortable in and it wasn't I guess I was a bit curious to know what that role would be like I'd never done it before this is the first time and it seemed like an interesting opportunity to get to know the school and see whether there was anything that I could do that might be useful. And I think a lot of governors have that sort of like desire to give something back to their local community. So it's a, it's a great way to be able to do that, to feel that you're being of some use to somebody. Um, so I just want to pick up on, on obviously what you're saying there about your family and coming from uh, yeah. you know, a family of educators. How did you escape? <laughs> well, my parents told me not to be a teacher. Great advice. Um, and so I, um, I, I took their advice and I became a teacher in all but name um, in that I teach in a university rather than in a school. Yeah, brilliant. And, and we, will, we will come to that. And I'm you know, really interested in, in obviously your, uh, your professional work. Um, so I guess your, your current role as, as chair of governors, how did that come about? And I guess... Um, you know, you mentioned that the, the role of, of, of you as a, as a board, but but also, what does the role of a, a chair of governors okay. uh, entail, and specifically at, at Sandringham? Okay. Um, so uh, pre before I was chair, um, the chair was Lynn Keane, who was an amazing chair of governors, um, and I think we all hoped that she would continue to be chair of governors forever. Um, but when the AAT was formed, um, she decided to move to becoming a trustee. And um, part of the way that AAT is run is that um, we don't have people who are both trustees and on the local governing body. Um, so that meant there was a vacancy. And, um, and I was encouraged to volunteer, and so I did. In short, um, I think it's a role where I hadn't ever really thought about doing it. Um, but I kind of thought, well, why not Could give it a go, see what happens. Um, and in terms of what it really means, um, I don't have more 
I don't have any more power than any other governor because we make all our decisions collectively. Um, but I suppose my role is to make sure that the governing body operates the way that it should. So it's kind of a, a leadership role within that team, making sure that we all know what we're supposed to be doing and that we do it. So I guess what, what impact do you feel you're, you're having in that role for the school? Um, I, I think it, 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 that's a really good question and it's something that a group of governors were talking about last night, in fact, um, at our meeting. And um, because I think depending on the kind of school you're in, you might have different kind of environment uh, and a different kind of impact. And I think that here at Sandringham, one of the things that we're really blessed with is we have so many governors with really broad experience and skills and a curiosity to know a bit more. So I think we ask good questions, which I hope give the leadership team an opportunity to reflect on what they're doing and think about, well, why am I doing that? Um, and I know from my own experience, people asking you those sorts of questions sometimes makes you change your mind about th something or think of something extra you could be doing to address a problem or a challenge that you've got. Um, so I hope we just bring like a, a, a different perspective on things and, and provide that kind of opportunity for people. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I guess to sort of respond to that, I would definitely say in my limited experience of, of, of these meetings, uh, as you say, the, the sort of wealth of experience in the room and it, and it, it, it differs, you know, you, yeah. we obviously have staff governors, you know, there's, there's parent governors, there's people working in very, very different industries in that room. And collectively, that brings all sorts of different perspectives to obviously what is being presented and that then allows you to question and I guess, you know, seek clarification on some of the, 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 the strategy that we are bringing to, to those meetings. And yeah, no, I would say it definitely, you know, it keeps us on our toes, but it, it makes you reflect on what we're doing, why we're doing and doing it and, and how we're doing it. And as a result, hopefully we become, you know, more, um, I guess we become more impactful in our work as well. And that, that, that drives the school forward. Yeah. And I think we're, we're all there with the same goal in that, we want the school to be the best it can be. Yeah. Um, and and then so whilst the governors don't have, um, we don't get involved in anything operational, like we're not assessing standards, we are asking questions about why are things this way or why are you trying to address something in this particular way? Are there other things that you've considered? What makes you so proud of so many things like i love all the things that we see young people go on and do um and you can walk around the school and see so much evidence of that of the destinations that our students go on to but also i really like to see all of the little things that happen so all of the if i go into the art block and i just see things that there's no way i could do no way but it just looks amazing um i love this i think this podcast yeah. is brilliant <laughs> thank, you. Thank, you, thank you we haven't paid for that <laughs> um and 
and I think also things like I, I it is quite um it's quite a privileged position to see what all of the staff do from the perspective of a governor but then also in more recent years as my children have joined the school I've had the opportunity to see it as a parent and I am just always really amazed about the dedication and the hard work that goes into everything that happens here. I just think it's really impressive. Would you say you have like two different perspectives on Sardream as a governor and a parent? Absolutely. Um, I see really different things and... It was quite eye-opening when my first child joined the school and I got to come in for a year seven, you know, meet the parents. And I just thought, oh, that all of these staff are here for yet another evening doing something. And there's just so many different things that you don't necessarily realise are going on. Unless, you know, if you're a parent, you only really know what your children are involved in. You don't know all the rest of it. Um, but I think also, like, as a governor, we see a lot of what the leadership team are doing. Um, and sometimes we get to see the school in action. So we get to see teachers. Um, and sometimes we might come in and see things that the pupils are doing. So we might come and see performances. Um, but... But you do, just that every way that you interact with the school, I think you get to see yet another bit that you're going to be impressed with. So how, do, how would you say Sandringham differs from other experiences you've got from other schools or even the school you went to yourself? So it's really different from the school that I went to because that only had 350 pupils in and it was an all-girls school. And, um, and, it, and it was... It was a school that, um, well, it, it gave us lots of opportunities. Um, but I think, I mean, we didn't, we, we didn't have the breadth of curriculum that, that I know is in this school. So there were certain things that we could study, but we didn't really have a lot, as many choices as I think there are here. Um, there weren't as, as many of the clubs and societies and those sorts of things and I think you know my first day at school I sat in the class with 14 other girls that's very different you could get to know nearly everybody in a school that size that would I don't think that's possible in a school this size maybe like there's always someone that knows someone but um but this school's just so much bigger and offers so much more I think uh, I think this leads quite nicely on to, I guess, you and your professional role. I guess my first, no, my first question will be, like, could could you just summarise your your role, I guess, outside of science human school? Okay, I am a professor of human computer interaction at UCL in London, um, and in that role, I teach on a master's degree, and I do research. And my research is about how we use technology for work and well-being. So I'm really interested in where those things come together and the way that technology enables us to work from anywhere. And we really saw that in the pandemic. All of a sudden, teachers are working from their homes, something we didn't really think was possible. Um, 
And so it creates these amazing opportunities. But there is a downside as well in that if you can work from anywhere, you end up working everywhere. And if you can work at any time, you end up working all the time. So how I'm interested in how we can try to mitigate those problems whilst enabling us to to do all of the things that we want to do. I, it, it is fascinating, like tr- truly what, what, what you do. And I, I'm going to go on to explore that a bit, a bit further in a second. But I just want to sort of link what we've just spoken about to, to that. So I guess, how did you end up there? as a result of your you know, 350 student all-girls school. Yeah. What was that journey? Okay, so um, I, uh, I was doing quite well at school. Um, so I had skipped a year in my primary school, so I was a year young, uh, and I did really well at GCSEs. And then I made a really poor decision in terms of the A-levels that I chose. And then I really failed them really badly. And, but I think as part of that, decided that university wasn't for me. I think there was something about me not enjoying school that meant that I began to disengage from school and the idea of any kind of follow-on study. And so I went and got a job in London and I worked in the investment department of an insurance company. And I did that for four years and my job there was like an accounting job settling trades that fund managers did. Um, and after four years of doing that, I didn't really find it very fulfilling. Um, and someone I knew was applying to go for, to university. And they had also not done very well in their A-levels, which I think made me think, oh, maybe there's a second chance. Maybe there's another way in. And so I started to look at what my options were and I started applying for things that I thought someone might be persuaded to give me a chance to do. Um, And one of the things that happens was I went to um, an assessment for an undergraduate computer science degree just because I was quite interested in computers. Um, And... I did this test and I finished it and the time wasn't up and I asked if I could leave and they said oh come and have a word with us outside and said well assuming you've passed that oh and I think I was applying for a not a full degree but like an access course and they said if assuming you've passed that would you be interested in doing the full degree and I that I just didn't think anyone would give me that kind of opportunity. And so I was excited by that. And that made me think, okay, what other degrees could I apply for? And I ended up finding a degree that I didn't even know existed, which was in cognitive science, which is uh, the study of human and artificial intelligence. And so that gave me the opportunity to study psychology and computer science and linguistics and philosophy and bring all of that together um and that kind of led me to to where i am now uh, i think this is really fascinating because i mean one i didn't know that at all um so so thank you for that but i think 
the conversations we've had so far um and a lot of probably what we've talked about are the successes the successes of of teaching staff the successes of, of some of our you know students that that we've spoken to but this is the first time you know someone has been honest enough to talk about failure and lessons learned learned from that and i think probably there's a, a huge takeaway for for you know any students listening or, or anyone that that actually sometimes you know what we learn from you know whether it's a, an, an a level that 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 perhaps we struggle with or doing something that we're not enjoying actually as a result of that we can develop so much and and take ourselves on onto what actually we do enjoy yeah and I think it I think one of the things that I sort of reflect on is how difficult it is when you're a young person to know what you want to do when you grow up I don't know what I want to do when I grow up I still don't no (laughs) I kind of feel like I'm making it up all the time um and so it's not surprising sometimes we might make the wrong decision. Um, and I think, but I think it's really important that we know that there are second chances. Um, and it doesn't mean that going after your second chance or having that second chance is probably not going to be the easiest route. It would have been much easier if I'd made a different choice and and pass my A-levels and, you know, that would have been a much easier thing. But to know that that it's not a, you know, a single chance, I think it makes a big difference. It takes a bit of the stress away. Yeah, and, and, and again, I, I just think for anyone listening, I think there are things that we will get wrong in school. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a great, great lesson to take away. Um, thank you. Right, if we just move on to, I guess, your role then. Um in fact, Ryan, you ask it. I'm going to open the window. So I know a lot of your, uh, a lot of your research and stuff has been on digital exploratory learning. Is that how you exploratory learning? Sorry, exploratory yeah. learning. There we go. Um, do you think Sandringham embraces that? Uh, okay. So exploratory learning is a phenomenon about kind of how people have a tendency and a desire to learn by finding stuff out for themselves. So the way we see that in technology is, um, it used to be that if you bought a new mobile phone, it would come with an instruction manual. Now you don't even get one because they know it's not worth printing it because no one reads them. And people just like to have a go and learn how to use it that way. And I definitely think that um, there are lots of ways in which you might look at people's tendency and desire to do that and say, oh, well, we can see how opportunities are available for people to explore new subjects, um, you know, get involved in, in clubs, get involved in things that you might not be studying, but you just have a bit of an interest in. And certainly with all of the opportunities that are here, I I definitely say you see that kind of happening. Um, I think you touched upon it earlier, and it, and it probably links to, to to this as well. I guess what what was your perception of the school's response to to COVID and to sort of moving to online learning, and and were you involved in that at all? Um, so I was um, involved in terms of having discussions with members of the leadership team about their plans 
um, and being that kind of sounding board. So does this sound like a sensible thing to do? Um, and thinking about what are the impl implications going to be. Um, I think when we look at the difference between the response here and the response that in other schools, we realise what a fortunate position we were in, that we were able to do that. And, and one of the, the key enablers was the fact that everybody had a device already. And if you weren't in a school where that was the norm, that wasn't going to happen overnight and you weren't able to just switch. So I think that was amazing. Um, and I think that the opportunity to keep learning, to keep in touch with not just your teachers, but all of your classmates, it gave some normality to a really unusual situation. And do you think, I mean, that that whole period must have shaped your research? It was super exciting for me because a lot of what I do is study people working remotely. And what was that, excuse my ignorance, but what was that prior to the pandemic? Yeah. It was. Yeah, so prior to the pandemic, I worked remotely yeah. sometimes in that I sometimes worked from home. Um, but there are lots of people who have been creating the technology to enable us to do that for many, many years, since the 90s. Um, so there have been people working on video conferencing tools, for example. Um, so we already knew a lot in the research literature about what worked well and what didn't. And so many of the things that all of us then experienced weren't necessarily a surprise to the research community. Um, but what was exciting for me was that in the past, studying people working remotely usually meant studying people that worked in very specific types of jobs because most workplaces didn't support remote working. And so I had this critical period in which to think, oh my goodness, so many people are now doing this and I can watch what that is like for them. And so we we create with together with some colleagues we created a um both a resource to give people advice about how to make that work for them and also a way to for us to collect data about people's experiences and particularly to understand how it impacted work-life balance so so far we've been talking about the benefits of what um, online learning can do do you think uh Sandringham could ever be threatened by online learning so i don't I don't think so, because I think we know how important it is that we spend time together and that when we interact with people online, our technology just isn't good enough to give us the same kind of experience as we have when we're in a classroom but, together. But could it be? It, in the future, mm -hmm. maybe. Yeah. Maybe we, so we definitely will get better technology and it will create richer experiences. And it could be possible that we will, we will have virtual environments which would enable you to feel like you're sat in a classroom with other people. Um, it's terrifying. <laughs> I think we have a really long way to go before we're able to really create that kind of experience. 
Um, you might, you know, some, some, some of your, I guess, teaching now. Yeah. That must, that must take place through, you know, virtual platforms. Um, you know, sure, I, I teach online sometimes. Yeah. Um, but I suppose the things that I imagine for the future are we're really in a virtual environment. It's a bit like the Matrix, yeah. right? And, and we might not be able to really tell the difference always. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a very extreme situation. And I think the more likely reality is that we will we will find a way to meld these different things so that we'll have some augmented reality whilst we're also in the physical I think we're already space. starting to see that, uh, you know, in certain areas of the school. Yeah. yeah. And so, so I think there are lots of exciting possibilities. Um, but I think we're a really long way from creating the richness of human interaction online. So for all of the benefits, and I'm really keen on all the benefits, there's still just so much work we need to do. Um, whether it will really disrupt education, I I don't know. Like, I think it's really disrupting work for many, many people. Um, there are lots of people who were never allowed to work at home before, and now that's all they do. And their their life has changed dramatically. And whereas I could see that coming, I find it more difficult to imagine that we'll keep all of our children at home to educate them um, and that that becomes the mainstream. And I think partly because if we look at what happened during the pandemic, when we were working at home and studying at home, particularly with very young children, that is impossible to do at the same time. Yeah, I had to experience that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I, so I think there were, there were kind of wider societal benefits that enable people to work if our children are in school, as well as it being, um, you know, really beneficial to children's mental health, their physical and social development and their learning as well. Thank you. Um, can I ask you on your work into addiction and habit forming behaviours? And I guess what as a school and, you know, school leaders and educators, what what can we learn? What can you teach us um, that can, I guess, positively impact learning for the teenagers that we look after? Okay. Um, so some of the work I've done has been about how we can use technology to help us to develop habits. So there are, we all need to be physically active. Um, but sometimes it's really hard to make yourself do that. And understanding how habits are formed can help us develop these really healthy routines in our life that just keep us well. Um, so I think that I think we can think about that and we can think about the role of technology in helping us to do that. Um, I think we've we've you know seen that. I mean, from a, a personal perspective, I know now you've looked at like the sort of the gamification of, of apps and things yeah. like that. Um, and like I use Strava. I don't know if you're yeah, familiar with yeah. Strava. Um, and you know, like the the digital rewards that, that that go with that. And obviously, you know, they're all there to to 
ensure training adherence and motivation and and, and it, they are so powerful and i know that people that are maybe less inclined to get out and exercise in comparison to say a pe teacher th- th- they work yeah and i guess that's what you're talking about yeah those sorts of things can be really really helpful um keeping up your streak yeah right? yeah and and so um my kids are they quite like duolingo yeah and it has an educational benefit. It also has some fun in it. Keeping the streak becomes very important once you've got it to a certain length. And that keeps you practicing. And so we can use things like that when we think about how do we help people to keep up doing their daily practice of whatever it is they need to learn. So I guess we've introduced e-praise. Yeah. And that, I guess, probably you know, contain some of these elements, yeah. like the digital re- rewards for, for different aspects and achievements within school and the number of house points, etc. I guess, when does that, or, you know, Duolingo or Strava, when does it become dangerous? Um, as with most things, it's things in moderation are good for you, and an extreme of anything probably isn't. So... Just as a, some exercise is good for you, do too much for it. You might get an injury. Um, if we spend all our time watching TV, that's not good for us. But a bit of it is is probably not bad for us. Um, some of my research shows that playing video games is actually good for you. Um, but the key is that you don't need to do it all of the time. And... You know, the flip side of it is we know that if you play video games all the time and that becomes really problematic in your life, it can disrupt all sorts of things. So, so you know, I think one thing is thinking about how do we make sure that the technologies we use provide us with these rewards, but don't take us too far. Yeah. Um, and that's not... Do, do, do you think as a school, do you think we've got that sort of balance right with, you know, the use of technologies? For, for example certainly um with the use of technologies in school yeah. from from what i have seen of it um it seems like a very healthy balance it's um very much around how do we use the technology to support learning um and the use of those technologies to support leisure is stuff that happens outside of school how do you manage your role as a as a parent and uh, how do your children feel? About me being a governor, do you mean? Yes. Um, so I think because I, for me in particular, and it, I know this isn't the same for other people, but I think maybe because I became a governor here before my children were here, um, I don't feel a lot of conflict because I think I understand a lot about the school and the decisions about how to run it. Um such that it's quite easy for me to leave the fact that I'm a parent at the door. You think you can separate the two? I, I, yeah. I find that a relatively easy thing to do. Um, and I think that part of what is important is that we remind ourselves at the beginning of every one of our meetings that if we do feel conflicted, we should leave. And we should leave the meeting and not be part of that discussion. Um because there could easily be something where where people have that, and and it's important that we recognise it. Um, so yeah, I personally don't find that too hard. And 
how do, how do your children feel about you being a being governor here? i you know think, coming into school walking around i i think the appropriate mix of um of thinking that's the kind of thing my mum does and sheer embarrassment <laughs> well that's what parents are for anyway, exactly. isn't it? Yeah. i'm doing my job properly <laughs> yeah 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 brilliant thank you um I probably have one one last question before we get on to um, our would you rather's. Um, what do you feel the biggest challenge facing Sandringham is right now? Oh, that's a difficult question. Um, I'm I. I think one of the really okay, so there's a couple. Am I allowed more than one? Okay, so one, I think, um, I think we are becoming increasingly aware of the importance of saving the planet and thinking about the environment we live in, and um, and I and I don't think that there is an easy roadmap for schools to follow in terms of thinking about how we adapt to to that um and so I think that's a really big challenge and it's exciting seeing the school respond to that and to and to be leading the way in thinking about well what are the things that we can do um and I think equally one of the other things that we're seeing in terms of I mean, I guess both of these are kind of adapting to our changing world. Um, as one of the things technology does is enable us to become more of a global society and to um, interact with people and to, and to come face to face with people who we wouldn't otherwise have done. And sometimes that's challenging when we meet people who think really differently to us or have had really different experiences. And I think, um, I think it is a real challenge to think about how do we play a role in creating a society where everybody is valued and everybody gets to have an equal opportunity to succeed and speak up and feel part of the community. Yeah, I, I would agree on on that in a, in a number of ways in school, and I guess do you feel like we're we're making strides forward in in both of those? Absolutely. Like I think it's it's exciting to see all of the work being done, and and also seeing the impact of that, and hearing from the young people who are part of this school, um, in how in, in the fact that they. They feel safe. They feel part of the community. They want to see these changes happening and they're often leading the way on making those happen. Good. And last last question I promise before we move <laughs> on. Because I haven't asked you this, but I think it's coming across. Do you enjoy your role? I love it. <laughs> I really do. I, I have, and not just for the things I've already talked about, but I have learned so much. Um, not just about how schools run um but but in terms of um seeing seeing leadership in action and that's really impressive brilliant thank you very much right over to you ryan so it's that time of the podcast we're going to go on to the the weekly episode episode a weekly section 
of the would you rather questions and um so i'm gonna kick it off i'll start with would you rather a book or a movie movie would you rather mcdonald's or burger king burger king can i ask what your favorite house is as in the Sandringham house? Yeah, Sa- Sandringham house. Oh, um, okay. I'm going to go with Austin. Is that one of your children? Yes. Okay. I'm going to be in so much trouble. <laughs> um, would you prefer a night in or a night out? Out. Would you prefer a beach holiday or a winter holiday? Um, a winter holiday in the sun. <laughs> <laughs> That's cheating, but we'll, we'll accept it. Um, Tesco's or Sainsbury's? Uh, Sainsbury's. The ability to fly or invisibility? Invisibility. If you could be the best at any sport or any instrument in the world, which one would it be? Um, instrument. What instrument? Any. Like, I can't do anything and I'd like or, to. Or would you, choose, well, choose one that you love, that you, would, um, that you just love. To I would, uh, I'd be a guitarist. Oh, yeah. Solid choice. Um, Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Uh, would you rather a pen and paper or a digital device? Digital. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Uh, go back in time to the Egyptian period or the Roman period? Egyptians. Egyptian. Mm, STEM or arts? STEM. <laughs> infinite knowledge or infinite wealth? Knowledge. And finally, would you rather be hot or cold? Cold fantastic well thank you very much for participating in our would you rather um, thank thank you right we've just got uh, two more questions and then i promise you can go um conscious of time and your time um what is your claim to fame um i don't know if i have one uh, uh, well I, you know we were talking earlier about your uh, oh, advisor no, i do know i've got okay so my great 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 grandmother <laughs> Was married to Napoleon. Really? Yeah. That's wow. fantastic. There you go. So you've obviously looked wow. at your family tree. Yeah. Your an- ancestry. My grandparents did it. Wow. And uh, yeah. That is amazing. I don't know what benefits come with that now. Though. None. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like to think it means I'm really a princess. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, no Fine. wealth has come with that. And on, on to our very last question. Um, I guess if you could go back to one day in your time um, at Sandringham School and relive it, you cannot change a single thing about it, what would it be and why? Um, I, oh, I don't know, that's really hard. Um, Oh, so I had the opportunity to um, attend one of the um, awards evenings and uh, and I think I felt choked up all the way through so and that was a lovely experience and and your your children weren't even at the awards no that is that is good um, listen thank thank you very very much for for coming on and, and talking to us this afternoon um, I've learned so much uh, about you <laughs> and, and hopefully people listening have, have um I guess learnt about your role within in the school, but also about about you as a person and a, and a professional. So uh, yeah, we really appreciate it. You're welcome. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for inviting me. No worries. No worries. Thank you.
So, Ryan, what a fascinating interview that was. It was an absolute pleasure to have Professor Anna Cox on Sandcast this afternoon. I completely agree. I thought the conversation was very interesting. I'm going to ask you, sir, what, what, what are you going to take away from that? For me, the biggest learning is probably the lesson that she's given us in failure. I think everyone listening, uh, you know, recognises probably the importance in in vulnerability and you know she's she's talked there and been very very honest about actually how she struggled at a levels and you know had been very very successful previously to that and probably the the conversations we've had with individuals in the past have been about the success but she's opened up and, and talked about failure and how that actually has probably shaped the journey that she's gone on going into the the the, the job that that you know she initially went into um and how that gave her the, the the motivation to to really pursue her passions and as a result she is you know helping us shape the school that we love so yeah what a great interview and 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 yeah thank you for that Thank you very much for listening to Sandcast. We hope you have had a great week and look forward to catching up next week in episode 7 and another entertaining interview with a member of the Sandringham community. And remember people, everybody can be somebody.